Computer Center. This is Inside Politics with Radio NL News Director Shane Woodford. Good morning and welcome on the show today. Global BC's Richard Zussman, the Vancouver Sun's Vaughn Palmer, and BC Today's Shannon Waters with no shortage of stuff to talk about later in the show. We're going to hear from BC Liberals MLA and Opposition House Leader Mary Polak. The dominating topic, uh, LAMSI, a Legislative Assembly Committee meeting that yesterday went, uh, let's see, charitably described as going off the rails. Uh, welcome to the panel, Richard, Vaughn, and Shannon. How's everybody doing? Oh, great. <laughs> awesome, Shane. <laughs> that was yesterday. Yeah. <laughs> okay, uh, let's jump right into this thing. This is a, a controversy that's been gripping the legislature for a couple of weeks now. Uh, the clerk, uh, the sergeant-at-arms, as we know, they've been suspended with pay. There's an RCMP investigation. Uh, we got a, a couple special prosecutors on this thing, and we've had some developments uh, down the road since then, including yesterday uh, when Daryl Plekis, who was uh, supposed to shut up and, and be quiet about this thing, went completely completely off the rails uh, and had probably, and I'm, I was following from afar, you guys were there, uh, I thought it was one of the craziest meetings uh, that I think uh, all of you described on social media. So Vaughn, why don't we jump into it with you? You have covered the legislature for a long time. Have you seen anything like what you saw yesterday? Oh, and I, and I didn't see what happened yesterday, Shane. I was off at my physio recovering oh, no. stupid knee replacement surgery. I had to follow the thing on Twitter and then pick up the audio overnight and read the transcript this morning. So I, I've got a pretty good sense of what went on, but, but I, I will forever be envious of, of Shannon and, and uh, Richard and the others who were actually there to witness the entire spectacle. Uh, the one thing I would say is that, you know, uh, the weirdness of it is for sure, but in the course of it all, the speaker did drop a couple of fairly telling clues about what we're dealing with here. Yeah, and what were those, Richard? I mean, it sounds to me like he has raised the possibility of some kind of financial wrongdoing that, that is, in, uh, in his words, not recent, may have been going on for a while. Yeah, so that is the big clue that Vaughn's alluding to, and it was repeated. You know, Plekis... Uh, went through the timeline of events, and he said right when he became the speaker, something was presented to him that was so egregious that when the public sees it, it will make them throw up. And he went through the process of looking through that information and did as he described it, his due diligence, and then we know eventually he turned it over to the RCMP. But what he was alluding to was the way that the books are kept uh, inside, it seemed, the clerk's office and the sergeant-arms office. There were a lot of mentions around audits. He made this, you know, very bizarre request to launch a fast-as-possible audit of the speaker's office, which could allude to the fact that he sees wrongdoing from previous speakers. Also, this audit of the clerk's office and the sergeant-arms office. You know, these audits take time, but Plekis wants it immediately to show the public, what he believes was, you know, a huge amount of wrongdoing in those offices. Again, Shane, we don't know what the allegations are against Lenz and James. They don't even know what the allegations are against them. So we've been promised another meeting in January where Plekis will tell the public as much as he possibly can but what those allegations are, you know, without, as he says, disrupting the process that is now before the RCMP and these special prosecutors. 
Now, the thing about the meeting yesterday, Shannon, was, uh, and from my perception from watching from afar, Mr. Plekis didn't present his case in a manner of, uh, I don't know, he wasn't sort of calm and rational and saying, listen, I got this, this is the deal, this is what I can tell you so far. Uh, I think a better characterization, and you can agree or disagree with me, is he, he really kind of got it really angry and began to sort of lash out. He seemed almost like a cornered guy. Yeah, I think I think saying like cornered um, makes sense to me. The word that started to spring to my mind in in being in that room and listening to Plekis, who at several points got quite worked up, um, was was hubris and hubristic. We still don't know what this situation entails entirely and who is going to come out. Um, on the wrong side of the investigation and who's going to come out on the right side. Plekis seems very convinced that he is going to be um, well-regarded when this whole situation shakes out. Both himself and Special Advisor Mullen, who he defended quite fiercely in this meeting. Um, he also, Plekis also said that, you know, the situation so far has not just been handled well, it's been handled perfectly. <laughs> I'm sure that there's another person in this province who would agree with him on that front um so yeah he he started out and he was fairly calm he was fairly conciliatory to opposition house leader mary polak when she moved that the committee go straight to agenda item number seven which the liberals had requested so that they could question plekis so he started out and you know the meeting was was tense but not um not the level of craziness that it eventually devolved into, but then under continued pressure from Polak to explain the situation, to share information about, you know, his office's previous actions or whatever, Plekis just seemed to get more and more frustrated, um, and his statements got more and more bizarre. Yeah. Okay, so he wants a forensic audit of the books. I understand that the Auditor General does look at those things from time to time, including not that long ago. Uh, we got the RCMP investigation, a couple special prosecutors, as I mentioned, so it raises the issue, Vaughn. Is Mr. Plekis going to get what he wants? Are we going to see a fast forensic audit of the books and some kind of evidence, uh, and then we'll leave it up to the people of British Columbia to decide where they leave their stomach contents? Well, he's certainly gone all in on this, uh, Shane. I mean, this is the, the old poker analogy, going all in, but that's that's pretty much what he did. He said, he, you get all this done, and if it doesn't vindicate me and people don't start throwing up over it, uh, I'm resigning, and, and my guy, uh, Alan Mullen, will resign with me. So, like, this is as high as you can put the stakes, but is it doable? Um Polak, and I gather you've got her on a little later, um, she took a bit of heat for not asking all the right questions the night that they agreed to, to send these two officials out and put them on leave. But she did a masterful job yesterday, at least from reading the transcript, of drawing Plekis out and getting him to talk. Um, and you go through all that, and she, he says he wants another meeting in January. And we're going to get these audits rolling, and he's going to tell us as much as he can about what this is all about. Well, you know, that runs absolutely counter to the line that the government and the government house leader, the green house leader, and Wally Opal, who's 
Plekis' legal advisor, have been giving us, which is they can't possibly talk about any of this because there's a police investigation. Right. So when Plekis is asked, how come we have to wait till January if this stuff is so bad and you've known about it for 14 months and people are going to throw up when they hear it, why do we have to wait till January? And he says, well, he has to reconcile that with the criminal investigation. He's a criminologist himself. He has 34 years experience and he knows these things. So, uh, Shane, I don't know how it comes out. I was struck reading the transcript of the efforts, futile, by government house leader Mike Farnworth to shut this down. I have to assume that all, Wally Opal wasn't very comfortable because he's sitting in the room, but man, this guy's out of control. I don't know where this ends. Yeah, uh, a couple of kinks within that process yesterday that caught my eye as well. Uh, the acting clerk won't issue a letter confirming uh, uh, that they're aware of any fraud or illegal acts. Uh, Richard, any, I mean, I don't know if there's a, if that's a procedural thing or, or what's going on there, but that kind of raised my yeah, I think it's procedural. I think what we're seeing with the Auditor General in terms of not signing off on the books until all of this is sorted is procedural. Yeah, obviously, they're important in the way that the legislature functions. But I think the primary focus now has to be on this idea of whether Daryl Plekis will resign as Speaker or not. Because, you know, as all the listeners know, we're sitting in a situation in the legislature that's very tenuous with a minority government. My expectation is that if it comes to the point where there is pressure on Plekis to resign, he would resign as Speaker and continue sitting as an independent MLA and likely will vote with the NDP and Greens to keep that government going. But there's a lot of possibilities there if you disrupt the way the legislature is working with the Speaker right now about what that means for the long-term health of this government. And so it, because of the situation, it just makes this issue with the Speaker uh, far more important. And to the two points Vaughn made, you know, Mary Polak, I was amazed with how poised she was yesterday. Like, you know, Plekis was going off, as Shannon described it, with this hubris, and, and then Polak would reel him back in and say, yeah, okay, Daryl, you know, but, uh, yeah, okay, Mr. Speaker, but, and she would continue this line of questioning. And, and Vaughn's also right to point out the uncomfortable Wally Opal, who was sitting directly in front of me, you could see him squirming in a seat. And also, the uncomfortable fact of House Leader Mike Farnworth of the government who kept trying to say, we can't talk about this, we can't talk about this because it's under investigation, basically saying to the Speaker, stop talking about this. Yeah. Kept going and going. <laughs> okay, uh, a point in there, the Auditor General Carol Bellringer won't sign off on the legislature's finances, which is a part of uh, what will be February's provincial budget when we see that. Uh, Shannon, what's, the, I mean, I assume that's going to be something of a problem as we move forward here, depending on how this thing unfolds. Yeah, I mean, it sounds like there's there's a lot of sort of uncertainty around how large this issue really is and whether it does have impact on the finances of the legislature going forward. My impression, both from Bellringer and from Kate Ryan Lloyd, the, the um, acting clerk at the moment, was that you know, it just it doesn't make any sense to say, yes, we do believe that everything is fine here, even if, you know, all indicators sort of point to that likely being the case. They don't want to put their names on on certifying those documents or the statements around those documents until we've sorted this whole mess out. And 
Just to go back to what Richard was saying about, I was sitting beside Wally Opal. He sat down next to me in the committee meeting and was completely stone-faced the entire time, but was a little bit sort of touchy at points, I noticed. <laughs> um, and, and there were so many people in the room for that meeting. Sitting right behind me, right beside Richard, was um, Rich Coleman, who might have been <laughs> the person in that meeting who was enjoying the proceedings the most. Yeah, I bet. Um, so. Yeah. Uh, listen, why don't we take a break? Uh, we'll knock off a commercial here and we'll continue our conversation around a bizarre meeting uh, with the Speaker of the House yesterday with Vaughn, uh, Richard, and Shannon here on Inside Politics. Radio NL. RadioNL.com. Local news now. Accountable to you for Kamloops Computer Center. This is Inside Politics with Shane Woodford on Radio NL. Good morning and welcome back. We're talking to Richard Zussman, Vaughn Palmer, and Shannon Waters, continuing our topic about yesterday's meeting with the Speaker of the House, Daryl Plekis, went off the rails. I want to flip the script and ask you guys a simple question on this thing because I, I think we're, we're at a crossroads now where it's going to go one of two ways. Either Daryl Plekis has come completely unglued uh, and, is, and is headed for crazy town and there's nothing here, or uh, Daryl Plekis is onto something and potentially is sitting on uh, some kind of significant criminal fraud, whatever is going on there and will be somehow vindicated at the end of the day. Uh, and I'll start with you, Richard. Do you, which road do you think we're going down here? Yeah, so I think you bring up a great point, Shane, because, you know, as was uh, mentioned by Vaughn earlier, all the chips are on the table, the cards are out, and now we just have to see, you know, who the winning hand is because, you know, we're going to eventually be able to see what Plekis saw in terms of the books. The RCMP will make an assessment. Uh, so will the special prosecutors. You know, it's, it's so hard at this point to judge who's telling the truth and who's not. You know, these are people who are in positions of the most integrity uh, in the province. And, and I've known Daryl Plekis for a long time. I remember interviewing him when he was a criminologist at the University of Fraser Valley. Yep. I remember speaking to him when he was the first-term MLA. Uh, he is a guy who cares immensely about public service but he also cares immensely about his legacy. And he mentioned that a bunch of times yesterday about how he will be remembered in British Columbia. And he believes he will be remembered as a champion for the taxpayer who stood up and spoke out when he saw wrong. And, you know, the nice thing about this is we will eventually be able to find out if uh, that is his legacy or if he will be remembered as one of the... Greatest villains yeah. in the history of BC politics, and yeah. it really is. That's what's so incredible about this, and how it's unfolded. Any any gut sense from you, Shannon? I mean, again, Rich, it is hard to tell. We don't have much to look at here, but uh, do you think we're going down one road or the other? Well, I think you know, like you point out the two scenarios, and definitely after the Lamsey meeting, I think. I lean a little more towards Plekis not being vindicated, just because I don't see how that kind of behavior, that kind of like outrage and almost sort of a persecution complex adds up to a well-conducted, well-founded investigation. Um, but like Richard said, Plekis seems very convinced that, you know, he is in the right here, that there is something substantial, something nauseating going on. Mm. And then on the other side, we also have James and Lenz who have basically said the same thing, that, you know, they haven't done anything wrong, they're ready to, to cooperate, and they want to come back to work. So it's very difficult to try and figure out 
who is telling the truth here. Yeah, uh, last it's you, Vaughn. You think that Mr. Plekis has got something here or no? Well, again, he dropped another interesting clue yesterday. And because they've told us so little, and most of it's been blurted out by either Plekis <laughs> or, uh, or Mullen, uh, you go, okay, well, we're going to speculate. So in that transcript, at one point he says, you know, I have to be concerned about spending and financial stuff here. He says, I also have to be concerned about the workplace environment and that everyone is being treated fairly. I listened to that, I read it over, and I went, so that might explain why we have two special prosecutors. Because workplace environment issues and fair treatment of employees is a night and day different issue than some kind of concern about spending. Uh, normally, as you know, Shane, when we, when we get investigations, and you get, you get one special prosecutor because... Everybody's being investigated for the same thing. Mm -hmm. But we may have here, he may again have dropped a clue about the far-reaching aspects of this, as he did when he said this has been around for a long time and it hasn't been fixed for years. So this is a very broad-brush thing, but he came in from outside, and it is entirely possible, we have to allow for it, that he's on to something. It is also entirely possible that the special prosecutors will, as they've done in cases in the past, said there's not enough here to lead to a substantial likelihood of conviction. It isn't necessarily true with special prosecutors that where there is smoke, there's fire. Hmm. Well, we'll have to see what kind of shoe drops there. This whole thing is fascinating. I, I want to end by talking about the B.C. Liberals' role in this. That They, of course, uh, as Richard mentioned off the top, uh, they have voted with the House to suspend Craig James and Gary Lenz, kicking this whole thing off, and have since done an abrupt U-turn and have now taken a long list of questions and, and kind of said maybe we shouldn't have done that. Uh, they obviously have a dog in the political fight. If they can knock off Daryl Plekis, uh, that could significantly shift the balance of power in the legislature. So... Uh, are they concerned about the responsibility of the House, or do they sense political blood in the water, Richard? Yeah, I think, and I, and I mentioned this earlier, that if this does end Daryl Plekis' time as the Speaker, he will continue to sit as an MLA and uh, as an independent and will vote with the Greens and the NDP. There is so much bad blood between himself and the Liberals because of what happened uh, when he spoke out at a Liberal caucus meeting uh, in Penticton that ended Christy Clark's time as the leader of the party. Uh, and then the Liberals believed that he lied to them multiple times about not wanting to be the Speaker. And then all of a sudden didn't show up at a caucus meeting one day and was sitting in the chamber. And next thing we knew it, he was the Speaker of the B.C. Legislature. So that bad bud continues. I don't think this will end the government because of that factor of Plekis voting with the NDP and the Greens. But it is important for the public when they're watching all this to remember that the Liberals and Plekis have this, you know, strong hatred. And, and Rich Coleman was the interim leader when Plekis left. And, you know, Shannon mentioned yesterday, I was sitting right beside him, and he was just shaking his head and laughing and just was like, this Daryl has lost the plot entirely. And so, yeah, I think, I think the Liberal thing's important, but I would assume that if the resignation happens down the road, that Plekis will continue serving as an MLA. He may have to fight some sort of recall campaign anyways in his home riding. I don't yeah. expect that to go very far, but I think I, I would just expect that he would continue to keep the Greens and NDP in power. Yeah, although all of this attention won't help him on the recall front one, and if he faces <laughs> one, that's no. for sure. Shannon, what do you think? 
Um, I mean, it, it's really difficult to cut through the, the partisanship when it comes to, you know, what the liberals are saying now versus what the, the vote that they did in the House. The thing that I find most disturbing is that it's quite clear that nobody really did their homework before they introduced this motion going in. Um, when the liberals called sort of the BC press gallery to come in and talk to them later that week and, and they told us about Plekis having suggested that Mullen become the deputy sergeant at arms, which obviously was another very sort of strange thing for Plekis to do. But we were brought in for them to give us this information, and then we're asking questions about, you know, um, how the motion was handled, how it went into the House, etc. And Andrew Wilkinson basically said that the Liberals assumed that the government would do their homework on the issue. He mentioned their 600 lawyers and that somehow the official opposition just assumes that the government knows what it's doing, which is literally the opposite of what you're supposed to do as the opposition. The job as opposition is to constantly question what it is that the government is doing. Um, so at the end of the day, like... Whether you think that the liberals are operating politically and trying to push Plekis out or whether you think that the NDP, the government, is acting politically and trying to keep him in and whether you believe that Plekis actually has taxpayers' best interests at heart, I don't think anybody looks good here. And that's one of the really frustrating things in covering this story is that even if people are raising, you know, legitimate concerns or issues, it's really hard not to remember sort of the political maneuvering that is just so obviously going on. Yeah. Okay, final word to you, Vaughn. How much politics at play here? Oh, it's terrible, you know. As Shannon is quite right. We've had lots of scandals in British Columbia, and lots of times the politicians have been embroiled, but the chamber, the legislature, and its institution operates in the background, and it's kind of the guarantor to the public that the system is still working okay, you know. But here you've got the whole thing under a cloud, and normally you look to the Speaker to be even-handed and represent all members of the House. You look to the Sergeant-at-Arms for security and the Clerk of the Legislature uh, for procedural matters, and, you know, it's true there are stand-ins and fill-ins, but uh, no, I, I think Shannon's quite right. Uh, no party looks good on this at the front end. Uh, the Liberals are trying to catch up now, but again, as uh, as Richard pointed out, uh, the Liberals have a political motivation in this as well, so the public has not been served well by anything on this. Um, it's no wonder that we spend so much time reporting on it, because there's really nothing like it in B.C. history. No, truly. Uh, okay, guys, we'll take a quick break to the bottom of the hour, get caught up on the news, and we'll move on to other topics with Vaughn, Richard, and Shannon on Inside Politics on Radio NL. Local News Now, Radio NL, 610 AM and RadioNL.com. Accountable to you for Kamloops Computer Center, this is Inside Politics with Shane Woodford on Radio NL. Good morning. Welcome back. We're talking to Vaughn Palmer, Richard Zussman, and Shannon Waters. Moving on to other topics. After the Speaker of the House controversy dominated the first half of the show, we'll have to move fast here. Uh, guys, why don't we start with the climate plan and my foolishness? I thought that would be the big topic on today's show, <laughs> but not so much. Uh, Shannon, why don't we start with you? Uh, these things are often easier promised than actually delivered. What did we see, and, and will it actually come to fruition? Um, I think at that point... At this point, rather, that is anybody's guess. I mean, one of the big pieces um, that sort of came out with this Clean BC plan is that one quarter of the needed reductions haven't been figured out yet, where they're coming from, how we're going to get there. 
So there's still a big question mark as to, you know, what other reductions can be made. It's an ambitious strategy for sure. Massive electrification, um, really pushing uh, the public to make their homes energy efficient and, uh, and spend some, some serious money there for a lot of people. What we don't have right now are a lot of the financial details. Those are coming out in the budget, so that's often something when the government makes an announcement that we're looking for is, you know, how much is this going to cost and where is the money coming from and also how is it going to be spent? So we're waiting on that until we actually get to the budget in February. The other thing that struck me is sort of how much of this plan the government has been rolling out in bits and pieces since at least the summer. Um, we've seen legislation introduced that is going to supposedly take care of fugitive methane emissions in the oil and gas industry. That was passed towards the end of, of the session last month. Um, we've already seen um, the electric vehicle announcement that had come out, zero emission vehicles only to be sold in D.C. by 2040. And then some of the other incentives for both the public and businesses to sort of get on board and with the energy efficiency plank. Um, those have already been announced, and then they were sort of rolled into part of the official announcement. Uh, to you, Vaughn, uh, one of the fascinating things about the climate plan that I noticed is it relies pretty heavily on electrification uh, coming from one party in government and the other party that supports it in government who campaigned on opposing Site C and mothballing it. Yes, I was uh, at the event, uh, the, the self-congratulatory extravaganza, which was, what, 22 minutes of speeches before the Premier actually got <laughs> up and announced the details of the program. On uh, You know, it was a fascinating event. I, I just kept waiting for it. Will, will one of these environmentalists that are here validating and endorsing and trumpeting how wonderful this is, will one of them say, you know what, that Site C thing might actually come in handy because we're going to need one hell of a lot of electricity in this problem to make all this stuff work, because essentially you're going to convert heavily dependent fossil fuel economy into one that's entirely dependent on clean green electricity, of which hydropower is the central thing. But, you know, I was terribly disappointed. Nobody got up. The government thinks Site C is a great idea now. They didn't when they were in opposition, but nobody got up and said, you know what, I, I'm kind of sorry we thought Site C was such a stupid idea, because <laughs> now we realize uh, we're going to need that electricity. And what, somebody worked it out the other day, I think, their target, they're going to need about three or four site seats yeah. all this work. Yeah. What struck uh, What struck you, Richard, and, and are we going to see, in fact, a lot more sort of uh, dam building in this province as a result of that? Yeah, the timelines, I think, right? Some of these targets are trying to hit are 2040, and it's always important to remember that governments uh, of the future are not bound by decisions of the present. Obviously, they'd have to make changes to the legislation, but, you know, because these targets are so far out... You know, we're going to have to wait and see incrementally whether these changes take place. And obviously, there's a cultural shift around trying to become more efficient at home and with your vehicle use. But there's still a lot that needs to be worked out, especially in, you know, big urban centers around transportation to make people less reliable on their vehicles. I still, we, we still have a lot of steps to take until we get to this end goal. All right, we only got a couple minutes left, so I just want to jam this into the three of you uh, before we say goodbye, because this is, in fact, the last show with the panel this year and then the season finale next week. But uh, uh, it's been an unbelievably busy uh, year, year and a half, two years of political news. It's been nonstop. Uh, what can we look forward to in 2019, Vaughn? 
Well, the first thing we're going to look forward to is between December 19th and 21st, uh, Elections BC is going to announce the result of the referendum. And if we get proportional representation, and it'll be close, I think the NDP Green Partnership's in good shape to last uh, longer, maybe even to 2021. If the referendum fails and we're not going to proportional representation, I think that partnership may start to fray. So we still have one very, very large shoe to drop uh, this year. My sense uh, coming down to the wire is that the yes side isn't nearly as confident as it was and the no side is a little more confident than it was. Uh, Whether that means we're going to get yes or no, I don't know, but as I say, uh, coming down to the wire, it looks to me as if uh, the yes side is kind of worried that they may not win this thing. Yeah, 41% 41 participation rate as we speak. Update issued a few minutes ago. Uh, Shannon, to you, uh, what are the big stories you're looking forward to in in 2019? Well, at this point, it's kind of difficult to tear my eyes and my focus away from what has been going on in the Speaker's office (laughs) office. and hopefully at some point in the new year we get some more information on that front. Um, As many people have pointed out, when it comes to investigations done by special prosecutors, that can take a very, very long time, and I don't think... I don't think people are willing to wait that long on a story like this, especially when it has, you know, implications not only for the everyday sort of functioning of the legislature, but also for for the financials going forward. My own personal pet project, I guess, looking forward to the, the spring session is what the government is going to do with Bill 32, which is it was introduced last May. Um, it is legislation designed to protect um, members of the public from sort of malicious lawsuits launched by sort of larger organizations that are designed to silence smaller groups being critical of um, policies or actions, both of government and of industry. Um, And it hasn't gone anywhere yet. Um, I chased it all of this fall, and the government said, you know, it is a priority. We will do something on it going forward. Um, But I haven't been able to get any information about why specifically it was held up or where it's going to go in the new year. So for me, anyways, I'm looking forward to seeing what happens with Bill 32 as well as what comes out of the Speaker's office. Perfect. Final word to you, Richard. Two big ones for me, uh, negotiations with the teachers. I think you spent some time on the show talking about that. That one's going to be huge in terms of their uh, contract negotiations. and Whether uh, it is much different than last time around or similar, this is the first time uh, that this government has sat down with the BCTF around teacher negotiations. It's going to test a lot of relationships because they have been allies for a long time, and we'll see how much the teachers ask for. The other one is ICBC rates. You know, mm-hmm. We know that rates are going up next year. We know that these massive overhauls are coming. A lot of the regulations in place in April 1st. So we'll find out whether those measures are actually working at ICBC and how much more you and I and everybody else in British Columbia will pay for our car insurance going forward. I think those two are, are going to dominate. You know, after we get through PR and the scandals, I think those two are going to dominate much of next year. All right. Uh, guys, and, and to our colleagues that uh, that weren't on the panel today, Keith Baldry, Binder Sudgeon, and Rob Shaw, and to you, uh, Shannon and Richard and Vaughn, uh, you guys have done a hell of a lot of time committed to this show. Uh, you've been very generous with your time, uh, and I can't thank you enough. But uh, this is the final show of the year. I look forward to picking it up with you guys early in the new year. But uh, my sincere thanks for all the work you've done on this show, and to all of you, a Merry Christmas.
And best to everyone in the season and everyone on the panel and everyone who isn't on the panel today. Thanks a lot, Shane. There you go. Yeah, thanks, Shane. Love doing it. Thanks so much. All right. Thanks, Shane. Always a pleasure. Okay. Thanks, guys. Look forward to talking to you soon. Have a happy holidays. A quick break. Uh, House Leader, Opposition House Leader, Mary Polak on the other side. Radio NL. RadioNL.com. Local news now. For Kamloops Computer Center, this is Inside Politics. Once again, Radio NL News Director Shane Woodford. Good morning. Real pleasure to be joined on the phone by the BC Liberal MLA for Langley. Also is the opposition House Leader in the Legislature, Mary Polak. Mary, welcome. Good morning. How are you? Well, it is not nearly as cold down here as it is in some <laughs> This is true. Uh, listen, you're, you've been at this game a long time. Uh, you were a veteran of, of the political scene. Uh, we spent the first half of the show discussing uh, the happenings, uh, the latest happenings on the Speaker of the House controversy with the Lamsey meeting and Daryl Plekis yesterday. Um, before we get into kind of some of the craziness of it, I'm just kind of curious. You went in there with a long list of questions. You want some clarifications on specific issues, specific questions, answered. Did you come out of that meeting with any of your questions answered? Did you get any additional information out of that meeting or no? Well, I got additional information. Uh, I can't say that it provided clarification. Um, and, and to be clear, I was being very careful not to ask questions, at least in my view, that would impact on uh, a criminal investigation. But for example, um, still a huge contradiction around whether or not there was an investigation conducted by the Speaker. Both of the Speaker's special advisors have said that there was an investigation. The Speaker yesterday um, confused the situation even more by saying, first of all, quite emphatically, there was absolutely no investigation. And then a little later on in the meeting saying, well, you know, you could call it an investigation. <clears throat> Pardon me. Um, but it really wasn't an investigation. So, uh, you know, matters like that, uh, honestly, I came away from yesterday's meeting, unfortunately, being uh, even more in the dark uh, because of some of those answers. And an honest question, Mary. I mean, you again, you're a veteran of the scene, and I, I, I caught the video footage of you leaving that meeting, and I've known you for a little while, and you looked a little shell-shocked. Have you ever seen anything like that? Uh, I have to say that, the, the display yesterday uh, from the speaker was unusual, uh, to put it mildly, and I, I think that view was shared by uh, your colleagues in the in the legislature as well, uh, who report on these things. It was uh, it was quite astonishing. So, not certainly uh, what we expected, um, and I I should give credit in that we had asked to have our item added to the agenda. They agreed to that. Uh, and uh, we asked to move it up higher in the agenda. They agreed to that. The unfortunate thing is, once we got to it, um, there were no, no answers forthcoming. And, of course, um, the NDP House leader and counterpart, uh, one of his MLA colleagues, um, were quick to uh, shut down the Speaker's suggestion that there be more disclosure. Okay, the Speaker, Daryl Plakis, has requested some kind of a expedited um, uh, uh, forensic audit uh, of certain aspects of, of the finances within his office, the clerk, Sergeant-at-Arms. Um, a, are we going to get that? And B, uh, what would you like to see timeline-wise and procedurally-wise if we do get that? Well, I'm, I would certainly be uh, thrilled if we could get some clear answers as to what has gone on. Um, I guess the concerning part here is, and so absolutely would support the uh, idea of forensic audits. Um, but here's the part that was 
concerning with respect to that exchange. The speaker began, before he got to the part of the audits, the speaker began by outlining, after saying he couldn't tell us anything, uh, by outlining uh, just the substantial nature of the concerns that led him to his investigation, whatever he wishes to call it, um, and uh, use words like outraged and throw up and how horrible and, and terrible it is throughout, and he said for many years throughout all these uh, different organizations within the legislature, and then proceeded to say that we should wait to have our meeting until uh, after Christmas and after the middle of January. So we pressed to have that uh, discussion earlier. Of course, as soon as the speakers started outlining those things, um, the uh, NDP members uh, were quick to start pushing back and saying, well, no, maybe we really can't disclose those things. I'm not sure what to expect. I, I really do hope that we get some clarity. This is, this is not about the criminal investigation itself. Um, we keep being provided with these shadowy tales of what may or may not have gone on um, with respect to the Speaker's own investigation, and then uh, when the veil is lifted, it's very quickly put back. So, uh, you know, that's where the concern lies. Did you guys did you guys drop the ball in voting with the House initially to suspend Mr. James and Mr. Lenz and not kind of look at the situation and bring some of these questions that you're asking now forward then? Was, was that a mistake? It's hard to go back in time and decide if you would have acted differently with new information. So I can't, you know, I can't in fairness answer that. I can say this. Um, the motion we passed did provide for review of the action at a later time. We've asked for that. The NDP is not supportive of reviewing that. They voted that down. Um, but I look at it this way. Um, there, there's sort of two separate pieces. There's the question, which we answered with that motion, could uh, two senior officials maintain their positions if they are under criminal investigation special prosecutors? That's one question. The other question, though, which is based on all this shadowy information that we haven't had answers for, is uh, how did you get to that? Right? How did you get to the place where there was a criminal investigation and special prosecutors? And that's the part um, that is absolutely clouded with mystery here and that we really do need some, some more information about. Obviously, being a House leader and sitting on the Lamsey Committee, and I'm not going to ask you for any specifics uh, uh, because it is a criminal investigation or compromise anything said in camera. I just want to ask you a simple question. Were you briefed on any material uh, that would lead you to say, okay, uh, you know, a criminal investigation is warranted? Are we on a good path Can, with, with, with whatever information that you may or may not have? Uh, are we on the right course as far as a criminal investigation? I have absolutely no more information than what the media has been reporting. Um, okay. The information that I'm aware of is simply the fact that there is a criminal investigation and that there are special prosecutors. I have yet to receive any uh, information as to the nature of that or even, in fact, uh, how we got to the place uh, where information of some kind was turned over to the RCMP. Should should not some kind of information have been briefed to the members of Lamsey before you guys decided to vote uh, unanimously to suspend Craig James and, and Gary Lenz? I mean, shouldn't you have had some sparkling of what was going on before that vote? Well, and again, that's why we think it's important that that motion be reviewed. Uh, but it is important to acknowledge that that's a there are two separate questions, right? Could they exist in their position, regardless of what one thinks of, the criminal investigation or the special prosecutors, could they stay in that position under that circumstance? 
we think that needs to be reviewed. Absolutely. Um, but again, you can't, you can't wind back the clock. You don't know how you would have acted if you had more information. Certainly the information that we've heard is disturbing, and it's disturbing equally that we seem to be the only ones who want to delve into it and find out the answers. Now, obviously, we don't know what the end result of this is going to be. There's lots of question marks there. We don't know uh, even what this investigation is about. But uh, uh, to you, uh, are you worried that the British Columbia taxpayers may be exposed to some kind of hefty lawsuit uh, from Craig James and, and Gary Lenz, who have, have been very public about the fact they feel that they have been smeared and, uh, and perp-walked publicly out of the legislature, that their reputations have taken a hit? Now, again, we may see, you know, maybe there's criminal charges at the end of all this, and this doesn't come to fruition. But if there isn't, uh, you know, I've heard from lawyers that say that the, all the ingredients are there for, for an unbelievable defamation case. Well, and this is why it's so important that we get answers to the questions around how did we get to this place? Uh, you know, there's questions around, for example, uh, did, did government learn nothing from the health firings? I mean, the Attorney General is there in a position to advise and to advise the government house leader. Someone um, gave advice with respect to the appropriate approach um, to Gary Lenz and uh, Craig James and their situation. Uh, the speaker apparently made the decision to have this uh, humiliating perp walk out of the building um, with no information given to Lamsey. Um, you know, what happens with Wally Opal? What's Wally Opal being paid? Uh, what's his job? Um, you know, all of that has been done in secret, and when we ask the questions, not only does the speaker not want to answer, um, but the uh, NDP doesn't want to let him answer in, insofar as what happened at the meeting yesterday. How much is political partisanship playing a role here, Mary? I mean, honestly, you guys don't like Daryl Plekis. Uh, I'm sure you'd love to see him lose his job. I, yeah, I mean, I, I, you know, I'm, I'm a politician, and anything I say with respect to denials is going to be met, I'm sure, uh, with skepticism. I, I would say this. I've tried very hard, and I think the evidence is there. I've tried very hard to keep my commentary and my uh, discussion down to the facts and the events uh, and haven't been racing around with a pitchfork after the, after the speaker. Um, there are facts, and the facts are there out in the open. We've laid them out in correspondence. That's been provided to the media. Uh, we have the same questions that the media has. We have the same questions that the Auditor General has. The Auditor General said that she's not willing to sign off on the financials for the House. Yesterday, the acting clerk said she's not willing to sign off on a management representation letter, which for lay people is essentially the legislature saying, yes, uh, we've all acted cleanly, there's no fraud, there's no illegal activity. So, um, you know, in that situation, here we are all with the same questions. So, uh, you know, put aside, I would ask people, put aside your skepticism in understanding that it's not just us who are asking these very same questions. Good point. Uh, Mary, always a pleasure. I wish I had more time to dive into this because it's a fascinating topic and I'm interested to see where it goes and I'm sure you and I will be chatting in the new year. If I don't speak to you before, uh, Merry Christmas and Happy Holidays. Merry Christmas to you and your family too, Shane. There we go. Opposition House Leader, BC Liberals MLA, Mary Polak. And that brings an end to the second last Inside Politics of this year. Next week, the season finale, Premier John Horgan, Andrew Wilkinson, and Andrew Weaver. We'll see you then. 1400 Clearwater, 107.1 Shuswa from CHNL and Kamloops, a Stingray radio station. This is Radio NL 610 AM, local news now.